You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another edition, another chapter of Darth Means World of Two. We're back, baby. Back after a long hiatus. It's been a while. It's been a while for sure. That is the sound of my apprentice, Darth Corn Puzzle, aka Anthony Mays. I'm Mean, aka Darth Mean, and we're here to guide you through all things Star Wars as you get prepared for the premiere next week of Ahsoka. The limited edition series on Disney Plus. Everyone's really excited. But Maze and I were talking and I said, you know what? A lot of people maybe don't know too much about Ahsoka outside of her appearances in The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. They don't know anything about her. They don't know what her backstory is. Or they might even think that she's a new character, so to speak, when in reality, Maze, do you know how old Ahsoka the character is? Like how long the characters existed? How long it's existed, yep. 2007? 2008, just celebrated her 15th birthday. Nice. So that's the original Clone Wars animated show when that was airing. Yes, her original, her first appearance was on the Clone Wars, the movie actually, right? There was a Clone Wars animated film. Gotcha. And it introduced the character and uh, Dave Filoni talked about he used to work on The Last Airbender back in my day. That was what Avatar was uh-huh. before the James Cameron Avatar movie came out. But he worked on this animated show called The Last Airbender. And he tells a story about someone from Lucasfilm calling him and saying, hey, George Lucas wants to interview you to work on a Star Wars project with him. And Dave Filoni said, who is this? Right? Mm-hmm. Come on, wh- who put you up to this or whatever? And finally, like the woman says, are you Dave Filoni? He says, yes. Like the one who works on Avatar The Last Airbender is like, yeah. All right, then you're the guy then. And he said something about those words made him realize, oh shit, I'm the guy. And so he goes, he interviews with George. It's not even an interview. It's basically, this is what we're going to be doing together. They're working and getting to know each other and all that stuff. George says, we should give Anakin a Padawan. Filoni says, but Anakin Skywalker doesn't have a Padawan. George Lucas says, now he does. That's how it happened. It literally thought the story would move better if Anakin, while he's learning to reconcile his gifts or whatever, he's also forced to train someone at the same time. And that would give interesting conflict for him and for the other characters. And so that's how Ahsoka Tano was born. Maze, uh, I'm going to ask you, do you think we're better off going chronological of the character's life or chronological in terms of in our lives, our timeline of Ahsoka content? 
probably chronological in terms of our lives. The only reason why I ask is because different things have come out in our lives that jump around in time. Oh, so you're saying the timeline got effed up. Yes, <laughs> you could say that. Ahsoka, as it says, introduced in The Clone Wars as Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. Typical odd couple. He's annoying. He's annoyed by her. He doesn't want to do this. She's wondering why not a full Jedi Master is training her and all that stuff. But within this context of this hour and a half movie or whatever, they find common ground. And over the course of The Clone Wars, which is many, many, many seasons, she grows and their relationship grows. It's, I guess, big brother, little sister is probably the best way to describe it. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a very protective nature that Anakin has for Ahsoka. And in return, she looks up to him, but there's also the feeling of we're almost on a peer level. There are some interesting things that happen, again, six seasons of the Clone Wars, but I'll give you probably the two most important things that happen as she grows as a character and as a person. Number one is she dies. She dies when they go to this planet called Mortis, and that's where like the living embodiment of the force exists, the father, the son, and the daughter, right? The son represents the dark side, daughter represents the light side, and the father represents the balance. And the son tries to overpower and overtake and basically consume. And during this whole kind of mission where everyone's having like weird force visions and stuff, Anakin Skywalker literally has a vision of his future and realizes that he's going to become Darth Vader. In the mix-up or whatever you want to call it, the son ends up killing Ahsoka, but then the daughter sacrifices herself in order to bring Ahsoka back to life. When she does, she gets this weird owl-like bird that follows her. When they leave Mortis, all of their memories are erased, so Anakin doesn't remember his destiny. Ahsoka doesn't remember dying but she does have this bird now that kind of guides her and is her mascot. The other thing that happens that's pretty big is there is a bombing at the Jedi Temple, a terrorist attack. All the evidence points to Ahsoka did it, but she didn't. The Jedi Council, stripper of her Padawan ship or whatever you want to call it, she gets imprisoned and... The only person who stays by her side is Anakin. Anakin's the only one who says, she would never do this. I know my Padawan. I believe her when she says she didn't do it. And he stands by her side even as she escapes. She escapes and everyone's like, look, see, that means she's guilty. But she discovers that the person who actually did it and framed her was her friend Barris Offee, who is another Jedi Padawan, but who's become disillusioned with the Council, with the Jedi Order, as more and more of these Jedi are starting to be when they realize that it is corrupt, it is monolithic or whatever, and very unyielding. And so as he becomes disillusioned, she decides to well, bomb the temple and Ahsoka uncovers it. So her name is cleared and Anakin comes to her and says, all right, man, you can come back. Like, everything's cool. We all sorted it out. And much to Anakin's surprise, Ahsoka says, no, I'm not coming back. And this process disillusioned her too with the Jedi Council and the Jedi Order and left a bad taste in her mouth. And so she walks away from the Order. Now, at this point, there have been six seasons of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and we thought, okay, well, season seven's going to happen and we're going to get these other great stories, whatever. And then the show got canceled. That was like this cliffhanger and it never got resolved. And this was right around the time Disney bought Lucasfilm. 
So they put everything that was in production on halt. They said, hey, we're starting new shit. We're doing all new shows. Clone Wars was ended, but Dave Filoni was tasked with creating a new show that takes place 10, 15 years later. The show's called Star Wars Rebels. In Rebels, it follows many of the characters that you're going to see in Ahsoka. It follows a rebel cell, the early days of the rebellion, a rebel cell on a planet called Lothal. And it consists of this young Force-sensitive kid named Ezra Bridger, who you see talking to Sabine in the hologram in those trailers, a Jedi who escaped Order 66, Kanan Jarrus, who's was played by Freddie Prince Jr. He actually escaped when he was a Padawan. And so he's kind of grown up, but it's kind of like a high school dropout trying to teach a kid everything he knows from what little he remembers from when he was a Jedi. Harrison Dula, who is an amazing pilot. And then Zeb Aurelios, who is the big dude that you saw in Mandalorian season three when my man goes to the fighter pilot bar, right? What's it called, Maze? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the New Republic bar and what we refer to as Space Vietnam. Yes, that's, that's right. Yeah, and so that big CGI dude, his name is Zeb Aurelio. So like all these people are part of this rebel cell and Star Wars Rebels is all about how these different scattered cells all come together to form an actual rebellion. One of the people working to bring this all together is a mystery person known as Fulcrum only sends encoded messages and instructions and missions and stuff like that. And we discover in season two that Fulcrum is actually Ahsoka. Ahsoka's grown up and now she's kind of organizing everything. And season one is about just establishing these characters. Season two, they get on the Empire's radar. And I mean the Empire Empire, not like some regional shit. So Vader, in an attack, senses a presence that is familiar. And so does Ahsoka. And that's how she discovers that Anakin Skywalker didn't die. Anakin Skywalker is actually Darth Vader. Long story short, the season finale is them trying to get this holocron from a Sith temple. And Vader shows up and tries to take it. But Ahsoka shows up and fights Vader so that Ezra and Kanan can escape. In the process of doing this, it's a great scene. It's the scene that the Obi-Wan Vader fight from the Obi-Wan Kenobi show is based on where as he's going to go get the holocron, she comes out and she blindsides, hits him and cracks his helmet, cracks his face mask. His face is exposed. And then you hear his voice modulate and sound kind of like Vader, but it's kind of like Anakin. And he calls her by her name and she freezes and she's like, that's my master, that's Anakin. And she says, Anakin, I'm not going to leave you, not this time. Of course, referring to what happened at the end of season six of Clone Wars. And you see Vader kind of look at her and squint and says, then you're going to die. And pretty much, we don't show it, but sushi roll time. <laughs> but she buys time for the guys to escape. So Rebels goes on. Sabine Wren is another character on Rebels. She's the Mandalorian with the flair for art. In that show, they introduce this new villain who's named Grand Admiral Thrawn, a tactician, a really smart guy. He's an alien, and it tells you a lot that, like, in Palpatine's empire, that he would allow an alien to rise that high in the ranks. But he really likes to study his opponents and learn their culture and learn their ways and then take them apart. And you called him a new villain, but he's new to the Rebels, not new to the Star Wars canon, because he does come from the Timothy Zahn Star Wars novels. 
first appearing in Heir to the Empire in 1991. And so he's a character that Filoni was really excited to bring into the mix. Yes. Those novels originally weren't canon. And there's been a lot of talk because in the 90s, George Lucas thought about doing a new trilogy that would be a sequel trilogy. And people say, oh, he was going to do the Thrawn books. But like George was very stiff arming of stuff that he didn't write. So maybe, maybe not. Noted and celebrated tremendous writer, George Lucas. Yes. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. Not like here. Here everything is soft and smooth. Ron is real and they bring him over to canon in this show and he's voiced by Lars Mickelson, Mads Mickelson's brother. Yeah, Lars Mickelson voices it and then he plays him in the show that's coming up. As the show progresses, and I'm not going to dwell too much because this is more about Ahsoka, one of the things that Ezra Bridger, the young Jedi, discovers is this concept of the world between worlds. You need the force to open this portal. You enter the portal. Once you're in there, you can access any time in any reality ever. Time doesn't exist pretty much. And it looks like a weird space place with little bridges and walkways or whatever. And he can see different portals and stuff. And through one of these portals, he sees the scene from season two where Ahsoka's about to die. And as Vader's about to do the death blow, he grabs her and pulls her through the portal and saves her, basically. So that's twice now she's cheated death. The series ends with Ezra disappearing. Him and Thrawn, they hatch a plan to trap Thrawn with these purgil, which are space whales, basically. We saw them in The Mandalorian, season three, right? When they're yeah. riding in the Naboo fighter, we see these whales swimming next to them. The purgil are how hyperspace exists. These are animals that travel in hyperspace naturally. In ancient times, someone observed this and made technology to mimic what they do. But the difference is when the purgil jumped, you have no idea where they're going. Whereas in hyperspace on ships, they put in coordinates and they know exactly where they're going. Thrawn and Ezra both get transported to, we don't know where, the unknown regions, we don't know. The end of Rebels is kind of about how Sabine and Ahsoka are going to keep searching for Ezra. They're going to try and find him. They leave it at that. Boom, that's what we got right there. Then, of course, Star Wars, Clone Wars Season 7 comes out a couple of years ago, and it bridges that gap for us from when Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order all the way up to Order 66. It happens to her while she's on a ship with Rex, which is one of the clone commanders and all the other clones. And she has to fight her way from a ship of clones that are all trying to kill her. Her friends and her older brothers and stuff like that, now all of a sudden they're dead set because Order 66 on killing her. Hey guys, it's Mike Fuentes. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. My last year has been crazy. Started off editing videos for Dan, a podcast here and there, and now I basically do everything there is for Mystery Crate. And it's not about doing something different. It's about doing something that makes me happy, something that makes me smile, something that's not as simple as you think. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. 
tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then after that, she resurfaces in The Mandalorian and obviously helps lead Mando to Luke Skywalker so he can train young Grogu, which of course then backfires because young Grogu wants to be a Mandalorian, et cetera, et cetera. And we've also talked about her history a little bit, at least in the context of the episodes that she has appeared in, which was chapter 13, The Jedi, and season two of The Mandalorian the magistrate of that episode, Morgan Elsbeth, is back in Ahsoka. And I believe that episode ended with the cliffhanger of her asking about Thrawn. Where's your master? Where's Grand Admiral Thrawn is the last line of that episode. So that is the seed of this show. Yes. The idea is that Thrawn is coming and Thrawn is trying to organize this imperial resurgence and no one in the new republic knows about it but ahsoka somehow knows and she's enlisting her old friends to try and fight this guy one more time i think the interesting thing here is that from what we learned at star wars celebration a few months ago maze thrawn is going to be the thanos for this catch-all movie that dave filoni is going to direct Mm -hmm. it's supposed to tie in all these storylines from ahsoka from the mandalorian from book of boba fett all of these star wars disney plus shows are all going to come to a head in this avengers infinity war endgame crescendo and that's where Thrawn is the big bad that they're trying to stop. And that was also alluded to in the end of the last season of The Mandalorian with the scene where Moff Gideon hops on a Zoom call, hologram Zoom, with the Shadow Council representing all of the Imperial remnants. We've got Captain Paella, or Paeon, who's played by Xander Berkeley. He's going to be the one that's the link to Thrawn. So we know that Thrawn is coming and Ahsoka is going to be the show that retcons him into the narrative. As a lot of people have pointed out, the whole point of all these Disney Plus shows is to basically clean up with the sequels that somehow Palpatine returned. There's no exposition whatsoever. There's just, hey, there's a first order and we're doing this all over again. So all of these shows are designed to fill in those blanks and give purpose to what seemed like a purposeless trilogy. I mean, I want to take your pulse here. We both enjoyed a good amount of Mandalorian season three, but acknowledged that there was some strangeness and it felt a little bit scattered mm-hmm. for an eight episode season. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that Dave Filoni was less hands-on with that and more hands-on with the Ahsoka show. So where is the level of hype 
for you. Where is the amount of expectations placed on this live action series? What are you anticipating here? It's funny. It's weird, Maze, because I can go back now a couple of series. Mandalorian season one, I was very excited. This looks cool. It's set in this time period where we haven't touched anything yet. Seeing these dusty ass stormtroopers and all that, I was excited for it. And it delivered for me. Season two delivered for me. Book of Boba Fett, which was teased at the end of season two, I was like, I don't know if we really need this. I don't need to know where Boba Fett was. I didn't need to see him return. Like he returned, that's cool. But I didn't have those curiosities, but I understood Boba Fett is a very beloved character. And I said, what the hell? And so we watched the book of Boba Fett and most of it was disjointed and like the best parts of it, as we pointed out at the time, didn't even have nothing to do with him. They have to do Mandalorian. Mandalorian season two and a half. Problem is those episodes, while really good, tied up what was supposed to be a loose end cliffhanger at the end of season two, which is this child has been delivered to Luke Skywalker, who's now here. And what's going to happen? Is he going to be part of this academy that Luke is going to start or whatever? Within two episodes of Book of Boba Fett, we realize, oh, no, never mind. He's not going to be with Luke Skywalker, which I won't lie. It's kind of disappointing. I'm not disappointed that he left and came back. I'm disappointed that they wrapped all that up in two episodes as opposed to two seasons. I thought that was a storyline that they could run in parallel and at some point realize, no, these two guys need to be together again. And they kind of dropped the ball on that. And then the rest of Book of Boba Fett, like I said, was lackluster to say the least. And if you guys remember the Power Rangers on their Vespa scooters and all that stuff, it didn't feel authentic. Then we got Obi-Wan coming out and I said, the whole concept for me if you remember Maze, I never gave it a chance. Mm-hmm. I was so adamant about one plot point, which is Vader and Obi-Wan never meet. They never meet until on the Death Star in the New Hope. So if you have anything that involves them meeting, you've already absolutely violated canon. So Mandalorian season three comes out. And I'm excited. I'm like, okay, well, this has been a good show so far. But that's when it starts to hit home. They took away a lot of the potential story by resolving it in Book of Boba Fett. And then when it comes to the reconquest of Mandalore, they knocked that out in like the first couple, they just solve everything so quickly. It just felt haphazard and not really well thought out of a story. So this leaves us here at Ahsoka. And I'm going to tell you right now, man, I'm excited for this. If you think about it, this more than any other one of these shows has the biggest cast of canon characters that are not from a movie. They're bringing back everybody, man. They've got Anakin. They've got Ahsoka. They've got Zeb. They've got Ezra. They've got Thrawn. They've got Sabine. They've got Hera. They've got Chopper, who's a little asshole droid. they got everybody, man. They wouldn't let anyone come in here and fuck this story up. Filoni created most of those characters. Yeah, this is all of his babies. This is his baby, man. Not his adopted baby, this is his baby, man. So, And Ahsoka in particular, because as you were talking about, he co-created that character with George Lucas, but really he created it. 15 years ago, there's no chance that Dave Filoni thought he'd ever get to make a live action show about any of his characters, let alone the very first character that he brought into the galaxy. And it's very exciting, but you're amped up. I am. Is the summation of that. You are primed and ready for this yes i agree i'm with you i'm pretty excited i'm not 
going to get into what if it's not this or that. I have pretty serious faith that it will be what we expect. You know how people get in relationships, but they're very guarded. And so the relationship never gets a chance to grow the way it is or whatever. And you got to open yourself up, be vulnerable. But then I could be hurt and all that stuff. But that's the only way you'll experience love. You know how people say that shit? That's how I feel about this. Like, I'm vulnerable, boy. Hurt me. Break my heart, <laughs> yeah. Dave. I'm opening myself up 100% for this. And I'm okay with the concept that that might end with me being heartbroken, but I don't believe that's going to happen. I mean, what can you tell me about the new, new characters? So we've got Ray Stevenson as Balin Skull and Ivana Sakno as Shinhati. They are force users, but we've got orange lightsabers. What does this mean? Let's start with Balin Skull. Balin Skull is a Jedi from the Galactic Republic. He was around and he escaped Order 66. Now, obviously, the Order 66 happened 17, 18 years before the Battle of Yavin. Now it's 17, 18 years after the Battle of Yavin. So this is maybe like 30 plus years. This dude has been on the run somewhere. And in the meantime, he abandoned the Jedi Order. Well, because like many Jedi, this shit didn't work. Everyone kind of gave up on it, even the ones who survived. And so he's become something of a mercenary, a sellsword, as they say in Game of Thrones. He's got an apprentice, Shin Hati. Both of them are kind of muscle for hire, if you will. Now, their lightsabers are orange because there is no such thing as like a natural occurring orange or red lightsaber. The lightsaber crystals, they call them kyber crystals. They come in green, they come in blue, purple, white, yellow. But through a process called bleeding, you can make your lightsaber change to those deeper hues on the red spectrum. The Sith would do this as a ritual, right? Like this is the final step to you becoming a Sith. You would take your lightsaber and you would bleed it and make it red. You would use your pain and anguish and all that stuff. I'd be interested to see if they're even going to explain to us that process for turning it orange, what these people had to do, what's the process here. But yes, they are mercenaries and apparently they work for Grand Admiral Thrawn. Gotcha. And RIP to Ray Stevenson, who passed away this year after this show wrapped, but before it came out. RIP indeed. What else we got, Maze? One of the reasons that I was excited for Obi-Wan, foolishly, was my personal hero, Hayden Christensen, hatless, mm -hmm. though he may be, yeah. coming back for some scenes. That was the big news. Hayden Christensen's coming back. And we agreed, I believe that they underused that in the Obi-Wan series. Yeah. There was one pretty good scene where they're training in a circular volume mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> created environment. But Hayden Christensen is back for Ahsoka. And so I ask you, what do you think the context of that will be? And will we get a more satisfying amount of... Anakin flashbacks in this. This is going to be the weird thing. So we're obviously dealing with a lot of rumors here. One of the rumors is that world between worlds that I described earlier mm -hmm. is going to play in a part. This is not a linear show. It's going to jump around in time. And in fact, Ahsoka is going to use it to travel around. And in it, she's going to go back and be with her master again. 
we got in the last trailer a bunch of quotes from Anakin Skywalker talking to her as an apprentice and telling her not to be afraid and all that. So anything with Anakin Skywalker has to happen in the past. This show takes place well after he's dead. I don't think we're going to be doing Force Ghosts with him, although I guess it could happen because we saw that at the end of Return of the Jedi. So I think we're going to see him in the past. The thing I wonder, Maze, is that in Obi-Wan, they try to CGI him younger, right? Mm -hmm. Which isn't as hard as like CGIing Robert De Niro to be a young man, but certainly there's some aging they have to do that's not quite easy. So I wonder how much they can do. Is there any question that you necessarily haven't had answered about the dynamic between Ahsoka and Anakin that you'd like to see? Or is this all going to be extra stuff? No, I think their timeline, their story had a nice ending. In Clone Wars Season 7, that eventually comes out. I told you guys that she has to fight off basically a ship full of clones. The ship crashes. And the reason why she was able to fight them off, we learned this earlier this year when Tales of the Jedi came out. Tales of the Jedi was a series of like 15-minute shorts. So one of them is Ahsoka training against droids and stuff like that. And Anakin comes in and takes her out of the training session. And like, this isn't going to prepare you because you're not always going to be fighting against droids. And so he has her go up against the clones. They tell the clones to put the guns on stun and she has to fight them all. Blocks one, two, three blasts of bolts and then she gets stunned. She wakes up out of a coma or whatever and he makes her do it again and again and again and again and again. And she never really gets the hang of it. But the whole point of the episode is that he's got her training. So when season seven happens, he has to fight her way off of a ship full of clones. She's been prepared by Anakin for this eventuality. The idea of you are being hunted by a group of highly trained commandos, not stupid droids, cheap droids that you can just cut in half or whatever, but living, breathing people. And so that's what gives her the ability, I guess, to do that. When the ship crashes, sometime later, years later, I guess, Vader and an Imperial party show up on this planet and they find the wreckage and he finds her lightsabers, which allows him to think that she's dead. But clearly the whole reason why Anakin Skywalker was able to turn back was because he wasn't all the way bad. Like he had some humanity left. As it turns out, there's like really only two people in the whole galaxy who could bring that humanity out of him. One of them was eventually Luke, of course, but the other one was Ahsoka. He always had a soft spot for her. So in that way, I think they had closure. The meeting on Malachor where he kills her, that's closure, man. I don't think I needed more from Anakin and Ahsoka. I think all we're going to do here is see some cool flashbacks and dig deeper into that relationship. Do you think we'll see the Malachor fight? No, it's hard to replicate that, man. All right. And then my last question is, other than finding where Ezra and Thrawn are, which is the driving force of at least the beginning of this show is there anything that you feel like ahsoka the live action series needs to answer is there any burning question from star wars rebels or clone wars or ahsoka's run the question that always exists for all of these newer characters is where the fuck were you during this big ass fight mm. now they answered some of it in tales of the jedi not for the galactic civil war but for when Padme, who is Anakin's wife, who is the mother of Luke Skywalker and Leia, when she dies, they have this big funeral on Naboo. The end of Revenge of the Sith, they show this huge funeral. And so for Tales of the Jedi, they recreated it in animation form, same shots and everything. But then they put 
Ahsoka, she's there wearing a hood and trying to stay incognito. That explains at least she was aware of this and, you know, as she's on the run and all this stuff. But yeah, man, I think we deserve something of an answer, especially knowing that she knew Mon Mothma. She knew the leaders of the rebellion and stuff like that. She was a big part in bringing people together. So she's active all the way up until a little bit before Rogue One, at least. What happened? Or was she literally traveling, disconnected from everything to go find Ezra? Or was she there? Was she a part of it? And we just didn't see her because she was doing different things. It might sound like a cheap explanation. Like, oh, yeah, I was doing some other rebel shit over here. Sound like a cheap explanation, but like, I'm with it. I'm not mad at that. But I do want to know, like, what were you doing? Yeah, the same question that could be levied at Captain Marvel, which will theoretically be addressed when the Marvels comes out. Where you been? Stuff happening over here. Well, I'm excited. I mean, I'm ready to go on this journey with you. We've got two episodes in the premiere. Mm -hmm. Eight episode season. This will take us into October. Buckle your seatbelts and clear the runways. It's time for lightspeed liftoff, you might say. Hey guys, it's Mike Fuentes. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. My last year has been crazy. Started off editing videos for Dan, a podcast here and there, and now I basically do everything there is for Mystery Crate. And it's not about doing something different. It's about doing something that makes me happy. Something that makes me smile. Something that's not as simple as you think. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer.